Hi everyone and welcome back to Casseleline, the French football podcast brought to you by Breaking the Lines, curated football opinion. Jump on breakingthelines.com website uh, to read the latest article about world football. Uh, there's a great portrait of um, the Korean defender in Napoli who is having to fill up the boots of uh, Koulibaly. Kim Min Jae, of course, and uh, there is also uh, a nice article about you know the, the things that you should remember before the 2022 World Cup. We are talking about potentially, um, and I want to say potentially, it, it has to be for sure, right? Uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo's last uh, World Cup, uh, and, and maybe you know the, the start of a new era in uh, in world football. Uh, there's also a good uh, couple articles about Manchester United, one about Ten Hag and one about the actual defeat 6-3 against Manchester City. So jump in uh, breakingthelines.com. Uh, to read all the, the latest um, opinions and, I guess, um, large articles on world football. Jump in also to the Breaking the Line podcast, um, Corta Linhas for Portuguese football. There's been a bit going on this week with, uh, um, you know, QSI as well, taking a bit of, uh, putting a bit of money, sorry, in the Braga um, Sporting Club uh, and the uh, Tactics Room by Will Fowler and, of course, the Road to Qatar um, podcast is also on... Um, every episode presenting a team that we should look out for at the 2022 World Cup. In this, uh, in these two episodes of uh, Castellarin, we're going to first tease Le Classic, Paris Saint-Germain against Marseille. It's this weekend. Um, it was just before match day 10, uh, first against second. Now it's fourth against third after Marseille lost at home against Ajaccio this weekend. Uh, but it is, you know, a game to, to be reckoned with. Uh, I did a, a small, I guess, Uh, half an hour intro to what that game means this season uh, and what it means maybe in the season of both Marseille and Paris Saint-Germain and what we can expect from this game. Um, you know, um, spoiler, alert, uh, spoiler alert, I expect uh, a great classic on Sunday night. Um, and, and then in episode two, of course, I uh, discussed everything uh, round 10 in Ligue 1, which uh, now we only have one team undefeated and it's Paris Saint-Germain. And we don't have any more teams that haven't won anything. Strasbourg finally got a win. Uh, the surprise, of course, came from the Stade Vélodrome, where 20th ranked Ajaccio got a win. Uh, and, and where, um, you know, Marseille, who could have sort of like stuck to, to Paris Saint-Germain and actually leveled them on the table. Well, instead, they lost uh, points and they lost their second spot on the table as well. Um, anyway, um, thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, Uh, get in touch. Let me know if you have any questions, anything that you want to see. Uh, and don't hesitate um, to give us some feedback as well. Cancel the starts now. Part two of Cancel We are looking at match day. 10 in Ligue 1 and 10 games were played, 27 goals were scored, only 1-0-0, it was, it was Reims against Paris Saint-Germain, we'll go through that game, only a couple of red cards were given um, this week and changes both at the top and at the bottom of the table with the results of the weekend uh, and, uh, and, yeah, and some changes that will have um, quite a bit of um, significance. Let, let's jump through the, those 10 games and let's quickly 
touch on each and every one of them. The first one, Lyon against Toulouse. 1-1 was the first game of the weekend. Lyon, who possessed most of the ball in the game, 58%, 19 shots for Legon, 8 on target, 5 shots for Toulouse, 2 on target, and yet 1-1, the first goal scored by Tete at the second minute, and the equalizer at the 67th minute by Rafael Ratao, his third goal of the season for the, the Brazilian of Toulouse. We, we now know it. This was um, Peter Both's last game on the Lyon bench, and, and Laurent Blanc will sit on the bench from this weekend onwards for the club uh, whose president, Jean-Michel Rolas, not too long ago said that Peter Both uh, wasn't um, under threat or anything. But uh, but yeah, if you've seen, if you watch this game, um, I mean, it's it's understandable. And if you've seen Lyon this season, it's understandable that there's a coach change. I'm assuming they were hoping that they would get good results up until the World Cup break and not make a change until then, but the situation probably became untenable. I mean, if you have listened to the post-game conference by um, Alexandre Lacazette, the, the captain of Lyon, right? Um, the captain said, you know, it's not, when we ask about Peter Boss, he said, it's not my place to say um, if it's going or not. Somebody else is making that decision for me. Uh, we're just here to play football. And then, he, But he also said that he doesn't understand why while um, Lyon wasn't winning, uh, Dembele, who was playing up front next to Lacazette, was subbed out. So, so clearly he wasn't supporting his coach too much. And then when asked about the interview, Peter Both later said, I'm not going to talk to the journalist about my relationship with my captain. I'm just going to go and talk to my captain about it. And it's not for you guys to look at. So... Yeah, obviously there was some uh, some oil in the uh, in the communication between the two. And anyway, at 24 hours later, a bit more, 40 hours later maybe, Peter Both was asked to go on his way and Laurent Blanc has already been named the new Lyon coach uh, until the end of 2024, I think is what I read. Um, so so just over two years, two years and a half for, um, for Laurent Blanc. It'll be interesting to see um, what that looks like and, and you know, if, if there's any changes happening straight away or oh, sorry it's a, it's a year and a half contract excuse me with 22 23 already um so so yeah it'll be interesting to see what he does and how far does the impacts uh, happen on the team of course we'll probably see real changes after the world cup break Laurent Blanc is coming with uh, Frank Passy as his um assistant coach but anyway sorry the, the game itself Lyon against Toulouse uh, so Tete scored at the second minute so um you know great start for Lyon uh, the game the ball was deflected um, but, but it was a nice goal uh, nonetheless uh, and Lyon sort of played okay football at times and then slowly but surely kind of slowed down and offered more opportunity to Toulouse. Um, Tolisso for Lyon almost made it two from a corner kick in the first half. Uh, and, and then Toulouse was able to to play, you know, not not freer because um, Lyon was still um, sort of dominating. But uh, but you could see some some room in behind the defense here and there. Uh, and then the, the equalizer coming at the 67th minute is, is probably comical. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video now where you see all three players um, diving uh, very in a very coordinated way um, in the box. Uh, it, it was definitely all Lyon's doing that equalizer. Um, they tried to play short from from the goalkeeper onwards. Uh, Mendes has the ball and then kind of like give the ball back to the Toulouse midfield. And all of a sudden it's, it's six versus four in a matter of second for Toulouse. Um, and, and then with uh, with the ball sort of ricocheting, there might be a penalty that could have been whistled on Abu Klal, but he ends up on uh, Rafael Ratao and, and Ratao um, decided to put it 
in the back of the net and make it 1-1 and, and Toulouse um, after that didn't really push to try and, and score another one although they, they played football that we know that they can play uh, but yeah Renadella he almost, uh, almost had a, a goal in his feet at the last minute but his chance uh, from a distance was saved by Dupé so 1-1 uh, is the final score uh, in that game and yeah, like I said the, the consequence uh, were immediate with um, Lyon coach Peter Boss um, thanked and asked to um, be on his way after uh, four consecutive defeats and that draw um, on the weekend on the table uh, Lyon is 10th with um, sorry 9th with 14 points uh, two um, spots above Toulouse and two points above Toulouse as well the second game of this weekend was Marseille against Ajaccio and we had our first upset in Ligue 1. I don't want to say the first upset of the season, but probably one of the major ones. Um, you know, as a reminder, just before that game, Marseille was second on the table, undefeated, and Ajaccio was 20th on the table with only one win, one draw, four points uh, under their belt. Yet, um, Marseille was surprised at home by the Corsican Team 2-1, the goal scorer Dimitri Payet with his 100th Ligue 1 goal at the 15th minute on penalty. The equalizer came from Musiti Oko at the 25th minute and Leonardo Balergi scored an own goal 90 seconds into the second half and the score stayed where it was 2-1 for Ajaccio. Marseille wasn't inspired um, really and, and was surprised at home. It's their first defeat of the season um, against yeah, clearly a, a weaker team but if you look at the stats Marseille had 66% possession, sure, but 10 shots, only two on target. Ajaccio, six shots, only one on target. The first goal, the second goal, of course, being a cross that was deflected, <clears throat> excuse me, that was deflected by Balerji into his own goal. It just wasn't um, great at all from Marseille. Not that they didn't have any uh, opportunity. 11 corners, I can't remember the, name, the amount of cross, but so many opportunities on both sides from both Nuno Tavares and um, Issa Cabore, but you know, um, you don't have Jonathan Close and you don't have Matteo Genduzzi in the middle and all of a sudden it looks like two of your major outlets are, are just not there anymore for you and um, you had Gerson Payet starting uh, behind Sanchez, but it just looked like as soon as they scored the goal after the 15th minute, there's half an opportunity for Gerson, but then there's really not a lot more going on for Marseille. And what they could, what they were doing well was, you know, sort of like using the width of the pitch and Cabore on the right and, and Tavares on the left. But then every time the ball was going there, um, the cross resulting in it, like maybe one out of 10 cross was maybe something that was okay. The amount of corner kicks that they had, that they just didn't materialize. Um, it, it was it was honestly poor from a team that is playing the Champions League and that just got off this important win against um, Sporting Portugal. Um, but, but at the end of the day, um, Ajaccio like played with their weapons. Uh, they defended really well. They really frustrated this Marseille team. Uh, they were like a, a proper, um, you know, a proper dense defensive unit. Uh, and they actually were pretty dangerous in uh, in counter-attack as well. I mean, a couple of times they needed uh, the Marseille defenders to do the, the last intervention to avoid maybe conceding um, another one. So it's not that Ajaccio um, absolutely deserved to win, but they clearly did the job to not lose because, uh, you know, the, the second goal is scored at the 47 minute. There's a whole second half to defend for Ajaccio and they did it well. So, so yeah, I don't think Marseille deserves a, a better result, but it is our first uh, real big upset of the season and it um, costed Marseille uh, quite a bit because they could have uh, found themselves in a very, um, you know, in a very good position if they had won that game against, again, the last 
team on the table before the game. Next up, Reims against Paris Saint-Germain, and that's our only 0-0 of the weekend. And one red card was given. The red card was given to Sergio Ramos at the 41st minute. So Paris Saint-Germain played just a little bit more than a whole half, uh, down to 10 men against Reims. Paris Saint-Germain still had the possession, 64%, but Reims had 24 shots and 4 on target. And Paris, 11 shots, but only 3 on target. Paris, that were, I guess, um, uncharacteristically wasteful uh, and quite undisciplined um, as well. We'll talk about the discipline first, then we'll go back to football. Um, it's 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 pretty chaotic from a team like Paris Saint-Germain to get caught in things like this. So the, the red card uh, from Sergio Ramos, if you haven't seen it, to, to quickly recap it. Uh, there's a foul that is probably a very soft foul to um, to, to to signal for the referee um, that that is given against Sergio Ramos. And I think Sergio Ramos come and ask why he's got the foul. But instead of just being Sergio Ramos talking to the referee, you end up having um, like Verratti, Pereira, Ruiz, Soler, uh, everybody running throughout the referee and ask why the the foul is, is whistled. And then um, Ramos gets a yellow card. I don't know if the yellow card is because of the foul or because of the initial reaction. Uh, but then Ramos isn't happy about it and sort of confronts the referee very close to his face, I guess. And again, with troops around him, there's like five or six players around the referee. And so then the referee just steps aside and, and gives the red card to Sergio Ramos for that, which uh, which surprised everybody. Um, but the referee seemed pretty, uh, I guess, determined that you, you just don't do this. You just don't um, congregate around him and maybe heard something from Sergio Ramos that wasn't right. There are speculations ever since that it's just because he's Spanish and, and when he said what he could have said, maybe it was just a misinterpretation by the referee, blah, 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 blah. I think we've talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Bapo on our um, on our podcast. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, referees needs to be respected a little bit more. I would love to have microphones on the referees so we could know what the players are saying and so we could make our own mind on whether the referee misinterpreted it or if the players just need to calm down. In that opportunity, in that in that occasion, sorry, I should say, um, you know, it's it's a foul that is worth nothing. It's 30 meters away from, from goal. Why do you have six Parisian Paris players going around the referee to protest a foul that is worth nothing against Reims? Um, you know, I feel like they're, they're like... They're ripping their own their own mistakes, basically. You know, they're, they're getting the rewards for for their stupidity. Just leave the referee alone. Just walk away. The foul has been given. Just say that you don't you disagree. But five players going around the referee. Come on, you are professionals. You know that that's not what you're supposed to do. And and any team should not behave like that. Uh, and then we saw at the end of the game a bit more of this. Um, you know, a, a foul, a pretty bad foul by a Rennes defender on. Uh, I think he was on Neymar. Uh, and then you know, players like. Hakimi and Mbappé jumping in into into some sort of like a a, a rubble or, or whatever that was, and then a minute later when the free kick is missed, uh, Neymar fouling the player who's, who's going away and getting a yellow card for it and run towards the referee to complain, and then two minutes later Mbappé with a late stupid foul on on a uh, Rennes defender, and then everybody complains to the referee again. I mean, this was just ridiculous from supposedly the team that is the best team in our in our competition uh just, just a poor show and, and just obviously uh, as far as as far as i'm concerned i think a, a, an actual uh proof that things aren't going right with paris Saint germain that they're clearly frustrated that there's a couple of things that are just you know not going their way and and they're grasping astros and and that's their way i think to uh 
to express their frustration to to just not being able to to win when they had they had the chances i mean um th- there was quite a few quite a few saves by um Yevan Juf the uh, the Reims goalkeeper who was probably definitely making sure that uh, Pence is not going to be the uh, Reims keeper uh, ever again this season uh, but yeah he was able to stop Mbappe um he, he was able to uh, stop I can't remember who had the first opportunity but yeah he was able to deny a couple of opportunities from from Paris Saint-Germain um so maybe that's where the 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 question came but uh But yeah, you know, um, Reims probably is happy f- with the point. They probably also uh, could have hoped for more once Paris Saint-Germain was down to 10 men. They tried to get more. Uh, but we also would see that, you know, the absence of Junior Uto, who's got a red card last last week, uh, was probably felt uh, on the on the Reims side. Uh, that said, you know, Paris Saint-Germain did not lose. So Paris Saint-Germain is now the only undefeated team. Of course, uh, days before Le Classico, Le Classic, Paris Saint-Germain against Marseille, which will be the next game uh, played in Ligue 1. And, and of course, a game that everybody is always looking forward to. It's going to be on, on Sunday night or Monday morning in Australia. Uh, and it's going to be at the Parc des Princes, that very first game. Uh, nice little segue into um, promoting another podcast. Uh, if you've never listened to it, Le Classic, the podcast by my friend Bapo and, and, and Tom. Um, I was on Le Classic this morning well, uh, at the time of recording. It's it's two o'clock here in, in Australia on Monday afternoon. I was on uh, Le Classic podcast this morning, uh, bright and early, to uh, basically talk about Le Classic and what it means in France for about an hour. So where does that come from, that Paris-Marseille rivalry? Um, what are the, the iconic games of the past 20, 30 years? Um, you know, and just obviously people know that I am a Marseille fan and I am born around Marseille. So how it feels fr- from my end. So I was a bit more um, chauvinistic that I can be on this podcast. Um, but also, you know, how, how it felt for me when when we are winning or when we are losing and, and how Paris Saint-Germain is seen in France, how Marseille is seen in France. It was, um, it was a blast. It was over an hour of talking about Paris against Marseille rivalry. And I really recommend um, you guys to, to jump on it. Le Classic is the name of the podcast. You can uh, find this, uh, the boys on Twitter on Le Classic Pod. Um, and you can definitely give it a, um, a solid listen to, I guess, to learn a bit more about that Paris-Marseille um, rivalry and, and as a nice little appetizer and, and teaser for uh, this game on Sunday night, which should be interesting. Hopefully, it won't be interesting for the, all the wrong reasons, but I think it should be a, a pretty good game. Tudor will probably want to um, to sort of make his mark by doing something at the Parc des Princes. And of course, uh, the Paris player will want to make sure that Marseille doesn't have too much hope in that beginning of the season and, and keep their um, their um, series of undefeated game, especially when they are hosting Marseille. Montpellier and Monaco was the next game um, played uh, and Monaco who won 2-0 in Montpellier and an important win for, for Monaco. Brill and Bolo scored at the 45th minute in, in injury time of the first half just before the, the break and Miron Boadou scored his first goal of the season at the 80th minute. A game that um you know was sort of like even for, for most of the time. 51% position for Montpellier, 11 shots Either way, only one on target for Montpellier, though seven on target for Monaco. And, and Monaco, who is, you know, slowly but surely hitting their form under Philippe Clément. Um, you know, Montpellier arguably had the better start and, and a couple of 
dangerous opportunity, nor them find himself into the box. Uh, and his cutback pass isn't good enough. Um, Savagny had like three or four free kicks in a row that could always be dangerous when you have a defender like Christopher Julien who, who is really towering into that Montpellier defense. Uh, but but they left some space in behind them uh, for Monaco and Monaco just love that direct um, attacking, that, you know, that fast counter-attacks and, and trying to find, uh, yeah, room behind the, the opponent's defense. And, and they did so. Uh, and obviously, they, they scored at the, be- at the best time, right? The perfect moment just before halftime. Um, it was it was actually a pretty decent goal as well by Braille Mbolo, uh, kind of stealing the ball from um, Ben Yedder in the middle of the box and then uh, volleying it with such pace and such strength that Omlen probably couldn't even see the ball uh, coming from seven meters away from him. Uh, and then in the second half, Montpellier kind of tried to push, but Bonaco had definitely the best opportunity and Omlen had to do uh, a few saves and then Boadou uh he, he cut he cut a, a cross by um, Caio Enrique at the 80th minute and, and good for him that finally he scores. Uh, he hasn't scored much last season. That's his first goal of this season. Of course, there was a few injuries for Myron Boadou, um, but it, uh, it adds to this um, offensive armada that Monaco has. Ben Yedder and Embolo started. Go- Golovin and Akliush were on the sides and then you had uh, Boado coming in, Minamino coming in, Diata coming in. Um, you know, there's still um, still no Voland, for example. So it's uh, it's definitely uh, enough talent to go about uh, up front for uh, for Monaco. And even though they lost uh, Sofian Job, for example, it doesn't look like they are suffering too much uh, from it. With uh, with that win, Monaco, they are making sure that basically the top four uh, doesn't go away from them. They are fifth on the table with uh, with 20 points, three points behind. Marseille and they are on uh, five con- consecutive wins, if I'm not mistaken, Monaco, which is a, a pretty result, a pretty good result to have. Another team who's enjoying their consecutive wins uh, is Lorient. Lorient, we talked about it last week, of course. Uh, Lorient is on their sixth straight win. Uh, they won in Brest for the Brittany Derby. They won two one uh, up uh, up in Brest, and uh, and I mean I don't I don't know if we call that one surprising because Brest is obviously not as well as Lorient onto the table, but it's still um, you know a good show of of force, um, especially when you see that Brest scored first Romain Del Castillo at the 17th minute, and then Lorient answered by Terem Mofi at the 24th, and Mofi again at the 53rd minute. You gotta see that goal at the 24th minute, that volley from uh, from Terem Mofi. It's a uh, it's a pretty special goal, I think. Um, the, the game was even-ish as well, 51% position for Brest, 11 shots, four on target uh, for, for les Pirates, and 14 shots, five on target for les Merlus of, of Lorient. But yeah, the win goes to um, the, the team coached by um, Le Bris. Brest didn't come to just um, sort of let the the surprise of this league so far uh, beat them up. They really try and and push up and they really try and get back. Uh, But Lorient, at one point when they start developing their offensive football, um, I mean, it kind of feels like... um, like they're bullying you, really. I don't. I don't really have another word for it, uh, because they attack, they attack, they attack. And if it's not, um, what's his name? If it's not Terem Mofi, uh, it's uh, Watara. If it's not Watara, uh, it's going to be Stefan Jara. If Stefan Jara is not close, there's another one coming in. There's Lefe, not too far. Uh, there's Ponso. There's Kathleen. Uh, so it's just, it's just hard, I think, for any team to play against. Uh, against um, Lorient, uh, Watara, who actually, um, I don't think he played this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he was, 
Yeah, I don't think he saw him play. No, he didn't play. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Boagar is the one who came in a bit later, and then Ibrahim Akomi, uh, Ibrahim Akone, excuse me, later on. But yeah, they just they just feel like bullies, and they just feel like they're really hard to stop because they keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Uh, we had uh, an inspired Laura Bergel who got a, an assist on the second game, on second goal, uh, and Kathleen, the young Kathleen, also caused a uh, few problems. Um, so it was good to see, um, yeah, Lorient, I guess, confirming what we already think. Uh, of them, uh, Terem Mofi is scoring his seventh and eighth goal of the season, which means that now he's at the top of the goal-scoring ladder with Mbappé and Neymar, which is no, no small feat. Um, and uh, and Brest, I guess, still struggling, uh, not finding their feet yet. Um, and, and I don't think, you know, I don't. it's still a long season, I should say. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. There's still 18 games to go, but Brest right now is sitting at the... Uh, deep end of the table, 20th, with uh, with one win, three draws, and six defeats. Um, and and that win was earlier in the season, so they are now in a in a pretty negative series. And and we know that their Zakarian is pretty good at motivating his troops, but it's probably time he motivates them to to get them out of of their spleen. Lorient, well, Lorient is second on the table right now with 25 points, just one point behind Paris Saint-Germain, two points above Marseille. So uh, life is good for Regis Lebris in um, in Brittany. And and it's kind of like we're wondering when that's going to stop or if that's going to stop. Um, but but in the meantime, we'll just we'll just enjoy it um, while we're in there and, and we'll see how long it goes. They play against Reims next week. So there's a chance there's another win there and a nice pressure put on Paris and Marseille before they face each other on, on Sunday night. So um, so Lorient is is keep on keeping is keeping on keeping on. I'm going to make it um, and, and he's doing their thing. And it's good to see that they're not um, just a, just a flash in the pan, but that the, the football they play is being rewarded week in, week out. Clermont against Auxerre is the next game. And Clermont, who wins at home. Clermont, who is on a, on a positive spiral as well. Uh, 2-1 for Clermont. The goal scorer, Saif Edin Khawi for Clermont at the 55th minute. And uh, Grejan Kiei, three minutes later, at the 58th minute. Uh, for Auxerre, Jubal score at the 92nd minute. But of course, um, too little too late for Auxerre. 10 shots for Clermont, 6 on target. 14 shots for Auxerre, 5 on target. But 53% possession for les Bourguignons. Les Bourguignons is Auxerre, of course. Uh, but the, the three points went um, to Clermont. And, and Clermont, uh, well, they're basically playing the same sort of positive brand of football that we came to enjoy last season um, under, um, under Gastien. And they just... They, they stick with this uh, brand of football. They just try and, and build up the the play the right way and they try to uh, attack, I guess, the, the most positive way possible and, and to find their, their striker up front. And it worked last year and it's not uh, far from working um, great this season. It's a two win, two, second win in a row, sorry. Uh, and they're eighth on the table right now, so, um, so can't really complain. Um, the, in the game itself, they had quite a few opportunities early. They had a goal denied by VAR, a goal um, denied for offside. Uh, Costil made a couple of saves as well to try and, and push them away. Uh, but yeah, as soon as the, the second half started, they finally um, broke that deadlock by uh, by Kawi, the former Marseille player. And then three minutes later, it was uh, yeah, it was Kiei who scored that second one from a distance, a shot that was probably a little bit deflected um, Osser, when they reduced the score, it's, it's definitely a little bit too late. Um, they had a few chances before as well. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, they, they couldn't um, really, really bother um, Clermont on that one. They're 16th on the table, Osser. Eight points, so Saint-Ali has uh, Strasbourg, Reims, and, and Angers. 
Um, but uh, but they're also playing, um, I guess, a, a good-ish football. So hopefully they're not going to be stuck down there for too long. Uh, Clermont, they are the, the first team on the table who has a, a negative goal difference. They're eighth, but they've considered 15 and, and scored 14. So I, I guess maybe it also shows that the, the defense isn't their forte. But so far they've been uh, making it up by uh, by scoring goals when it when it matters. And uh, you know, eighth on the table is no small feat for a team like Clermont after after 10 games. Uh, just a quarter of the season gone. Next up, Nice against Troyes. Um, and Troyes, a team who is in form, who traveled to Nice, a team who is struggling. Uh, yet, Nice uh, was the one getting the results. Uh, barely, I guess, if you if you see how the game went. 3-2 uh, for Nice. The goal scorer, Mattia Vitti, at the second minute. Angie Deller on penalty at the 37th. And Nicolas Pepe, at the 50th for Nice, and once they were up 3-0, uh, maybe they took their foot off the pedal a little bit because Troyes was able to score twice in the last 10 minutes. Xavier Chavalerin at the 82nd minute and Abdou Conte at the 90th. Nice dominating with 61% possession, 14 shots, 6 on target, but Troyes 17 shots, 6 on target still. Um, so, so Troyes did push until the um, very end. Um, you know, I think Troyes was probably keen to get up there and surprise Nice and uh, and show them who they were and what kind of football they were playing and, and hoping for a good result. But I think Nice was expecting it um, and, and and try and, and hit as early as possible to to sort of like deflate Troyes. That's what they did. Um, you know, they, they, hit, they hit quite early uh, on that corner kick by, by uh, the header by Viti. And then not too long after, Pepe gets that penalty that um, Delors scored just before halftime. Um, the, the first goal was an assist from Diop on that header by, by Viti. And then the second goal in the, in the second half is another assist by Diop for Pepe. So Sofian Diop is, uh, is going well in, uh, in southeast of France, 10 kilometers away from, from his old stomping ground. Uh, so at 3-0, I think Nice probably thinks that it's, it's over. Uh, but that's when Bruno Herles and Troyes make a few changes. And those changes uh, pay off because Chavalera is the one who scores from distance um, after the ball is, is getting deflected by, by Dante. And then Abdou Conte scored in, in that injury time um, with, by the way, a, a pretty superb um, backheel assist by Ike Ugbo, the, the striker on loan from Manchester City. But yeah, too little too late for, for Troyes, who, uh, yeah, who was on a, on a positive um, run. I think it was out of the last six games, they won three, they lost two, they drew... Uh, they, sorry, they drew two, they lost one, so it, it wasn't too bad, but let's say a second loss now, uh, three weeks later. For Nice, who have been inconsistent at best, um, it's an important win, uh, find themselves um, at, at 11 points and, and not letting a team like Troyes going six points away from them. But we do expect better as far as the football goes. Um, we know what Favre supposedly came to do, and we're not seeing it yet. Um, although, yeah, like I said, with the... Uh, with Diop in the mix, um, it's it's a little bit better. Um, I guess we want much better, not a little bit better. Much better is what we is what we are after when we see um, Nice playing. Angers against Strasbourg is the next game we're looking at, and we do not have any more team who haven't won this season. It was Strasbourg's first win in Angers, three two. For the club of the northeast of France, the goal scorer Kevin Gamero at the seventh minute, Miha Blazic with an on goal at the thirty third minute, and Habib Diallo at the fifty eighth for Strasbourg. Adrien Unou had answered superbly at the eleventh minute, and Miha Blazic scored on the right side of the goals at the eighty seventh minute for 
Angers. Angers, who finished with 55% position, 14 shots, 8 on target. Uh, Strasbourg at 15 shots and 7th on target. So a pretty um, even even game on, on paper. Um, but, but Strasbourg definitely uh, with the better opportunity. At least Angers with some opportunities, but just not as precise, just not as lethal. Uh, very much like when they play against Marseille. They could have chances. They could put them at the in the back of the net, but they are, I guess, a bit wasteful. Uh, and they've just given the goal to Strasbourg. It's probably the, the saddest thing. I think for Angers, uh, the, the first goal was uh, a cross from Belgarde at the far post and the volley from Galmero really, um, you know, gave Fofana little chances to, to stop it. And that was a good start for Strasbourg. But like I said, that equalizer from Unu um, four minutes later is is worse the, the break and, and the watch. Uh, control volley from the corner of the box, perfectly executed, uh, and, and a great way to, I guess, yeah, a great way to uh, get an equalizer. Uh, but then it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a non-goal on a corner kick. So the corner kick for Strasbourg goes in header by a Strasbourg player, and then Blasic um, headed up, and he goes above for Fanai in the back of the net. And then in the second half. Uh, it's a free kick that it looks like it's not going to create any issue. And then when Fofana goes to uh, to grab it in the air, he sort of uh, lets the ball go in front of him and he doesn't have time to turn around and, and get it. And Diallo just uh, pushes it into the empty net. So two goals that really Angers gave Strasbourg and Angers with their current struggle. They don't need to give goals uh, to their opponents. It's already, it's hard enough for them. Uh, but they did. And then Strasbourg is up 3-1 and they sort of like can see um, can see go and and they do concede eventually. Blazic score at the 87 minutes, which give uh, like sort of a last hope to Angers. And then Angers has one last chance to try and get the equalizer. But Matt Sells, who we know is a great goalkeeper, reminded us anyway uh, and made a, an all important save to to keep the three points uh, for Strasbourg. Finally, finally a win uh, for Strasbourg, who's been struggling in the beginning of this season. I mean, of course. Um, Thomason was on the bench, um, not, not ready yet to start, and, and Ajork is still injured for Strasbourg, so maybe they don't have their, their best 11. Gamero uh, was replaced early as well, maybe for an injury, so it's it's just not the best start for Julien Stéphane and his troops, um, but uh, but it's also not where they belong, that, that spot uh, on the table, although at the bottom. So with that win, at least, uh, they go back up to 14th place, and, and hopefully it's... Uh, the beginning of a much more positive spiral for uh, for Strasbourg. There was another derby in Brittany, and it was Rennes against Nantes. And Nantes, who is still struggling this season, and who is now 19th on the table, which could be worry, uh, after losing 3-0 against Nantes against Rennes, excuse me, and Rennes, who even afforded uh, to uh, to get themselves a red card at the very end of the game. Uh, but you know the the game was almost all Rennes. Maybe the first 15 minutes, Nantes sort of thought they had an opportunity to to do something. Uh, but but then Rennes started going into second gear and, and Rennes ends up with 58% position, 14 shots, four on target, three goals. That's a pretty uh, that's a pretty good ratio. And and Rennes and Nantes, excuse me, um eight shots and only three on target, but at a pretty dire um pass accuracy of 70%. And you could see it in the game. Um a lot of ball wasted, a lot of um, sort of lack of focus and lack of application, um, and and they didn't take advantage of how good they can be when they play good football. Uh, instead, they were just uh, yeah, they were just crappy and and you know Sisoko, Blast, Simon. You just expect a bit more from those guys. Kirivela as well. Uh, yeah, you just expect more, and they were not able to to really um, combine well and string two three passes together, and that really hurt them. 
um, in the end, uh, when, because when you see Rennes' offense, uh, you know, it starts with Bourijo, Kalimwendo, Guiri, and Terrier up front, and then Major came in, and Desire Doué came in, um, and Matisse Ablin came in, and Kamaldin Sulemana came in, and it's all, uh, it's all as beautiful as, as it was at the beginning. The, the teams, um, that Rennes puts, whether it's the, the starter or, or the bench, uh, they all play the same great brand of football the, um, the, the first goal um, was was a header by Guiri that was quite opportunistic but again you got to be here to do it uh, the second goal was a great combination between Majer uh, Guiri and Terrier and then the third goal uh, Desiree Doué who had just came in uh, with a superb shot from the uh, edge of the box in the top left corner uh, nothing Alban Lafont can do and then um, Desiree Doué almost uh, sort of not celebrating, just showing his shirt and, and his name. He's a young player, but he's uh, he looks like he's got something in his head already and that he wants to uh, to reach um, a, c- a certain uh, type of standard. And uh, and it's great for Ren that they can, again, um, just just get more young players out of there, right? Uh, I guess the only, yeah, the only little uh, shadow on the table is that Rodon got a red card at the very, very end of uh, the game for a, a last-man foul just outside the box. Um, but the position for Rennes is everything else. Basically, uh, Mandanda did well in in goals and and saved a couple of opportunity. Uh, I think Sheka did okay in the middle of the park. I guess I was a bit um, I was a bit wary of seeing Sheka uh, playing for Rennes. I was wondering, you know, if he was the right guy to replace Santa Maria, who was injured. But uh, he brought he brought what he brought, and next to Te, he wasn't he wasn't too bad in the middle of the park. So that's good for Rennes. That's a good result. Obviously, a three zero win against uh, against Nantes, and also it's a uh, it's keeping that um, that spiral that they had um, alive. They have eighteen points now. Uh, they are six on the table. They are undefeated for the last five games, uh, and they are only two points behind Monaco, five points behind Marseille. So they're making sure that uh, yeah, the, the top five don't go too far from them. And there was another derby to finish. It was the, the weekend of the derbies this week. Uh, the derby du Nord between Lille and Lens at the Stade pierre Moroy. A highly anticipated derby. Uh, I, I myself was looking forward to, to this game. I might not have lived up to the hype, uh, but still um, quite a bit of end-to-end stuff. Uh, 55% position for Lens is how it ended. 12 shots for Lille, 6 on target. 10 shots for Lens, 3 on target. 1-0 was the final score. The goal scorer, Jonathan David, on penalty at the 44th minute. Um, and uh, and yeah, a game that was, I guess... Um, entertaining um, with penalties. Uh, there was a penalty very early on um, for Lance after a foul by Fonte, who, uh, funnily enough, was like, no, 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 they'll look at the VR, they'll see it's not a foul, but it's clearly a foul. Uh, but Sotoka took that penalty, and, and I think he hit the ball on the ground with it where, rather than hitting it properly, and so it lost quite a bit of uh, speed, and then Chevalier picked the right side, so Chevalier saved um, the penalty, and Chevalier um, kept a clean sheet for Lille, which is their first clean sheet of the season, the team uh, coached by Paulo Fonseca, so that's good for the dog that they finally get a fin- uh, clean sheet um, in, in 2022, 2022-2023, in, in that season, I should say. Uh, and, and then Lille, slowly but surely, sort of started to push. It's it's hard enough to push through a team uh, of Lance who's always um, well you know, well installed and, and who presses well. But I think we're starting to see how important Unas is going to be for Lille. He is he's just a, a, a talented um, football player and he's able to create a difference by himself or he's able to combine well with, um, you know, André or, or the, the two Gomez, Angel and André Gomez. In the middle, it's funny, you got Benjamin André, André Gomez and Angel Gomez, midfield of uh, of Lille. Um, but, but it's 
it, it's interesting to see how they are really finding themselves well. I, I like that team of Lille this season. I said it a couple of times already. Uh, Jonathan David, of course, didn't waste the opportunity of scoring uh, from the penalty kick before um, before the first half, before the end of the first half. Uh, and then they almost scored the second one just after the break by uh, by Unas, but Samba uh, had had to make a few saves and made them well for uh, for Lance. Uh, on the other side, Chevalier, of course, was also in top form. Um, which helped them. I think he, he saved a couple of balls in front of Fofana or in front of uh, Claude Maurice. Actually, a pretty good um, attempt from Claude Maurice from distance. Uh, so, so Lance did push. Uh, they just weren't dangerous enough uh, for Lille, who, Lille was in form. And, and well, as a result, uh, Lance also got their first defeat of the season. Uh, so as I was saying, Paris Saint-Germain is now the only team undefeated because uh, that win from Lille puts them back five points behind Lance. They're seventh on the table, Lille with 16 points. Uh, but yeah, um, gives Lance their first loss of the season after 10 games. So so it's good to see that the that second part of Ligue 1, I guess, behind Paris Saint-Germain is uh, slowly but surely, I guess, getting a little bit um, tighter. So that's the 10 games that were played this weekend in round 10 of the Ligue 1. Uh, the table, Paris Saint-Germain at the top with 26 points, followed by Lorient 25, Marseille 23, uh, Lens 21, Monaco 20 uh, on the goal-scoring ladder. Of course, Mbappé Neymar and now Mofi with 8 goals each, followed by Jonathan David with 7. And then Messi and Neymar are at the top of the assist ladder with 7 goals each. If we look at match day 11, there are a few important, interesting, promising games for match day 11. Uh, we'll kick off in the northeast, Strasbourg against Lille. That's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, then it's going to be Lorient against Reims, Lens against Montpellier, Toulouse against Angers, Nantes against Brest, Rennes against Lyon. The first game of Laurent Blanc on the bench for Lyon will be in Rennes. Auxerre against Nice, Troyes against Ajaccio, Monaco, Clermont, and of course, we'll finish by Le Classic, the Classico, Paris Saint-Germain against Marseille at the Parc des Princes. I am looking forward to talking to you about this game. I hope it's going to be a good game. I hope it's not going to be uh, sort of like um, spoiled by uh, by bad um, temperament, by behaviors. I hope that we are going to be in for a celebration of football for, for, for that game. Uh, anyway, thank you again for listening to part two of Casser les Lignes. Uh, I said it before, I say it again. Jump on the classic pod when it's released this week on Friday uh, to hear me, Bapo and Tom talk about the, the story of the Classico, the story of that rivalry between Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille. But I will see you next week to talk about this game and the other nine. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.